Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. It is the first day of fall. Uh, and unlike the last few days, which were a little chilly, you know, the last couple of days of summer, it's actually warmer today. So, you know, the, you know, it's, it, the, the temperature does not reflect the season. It's Indian summer, if they want to call it that. But yeah, some people think that's racist, I guess. Um, anyway, um, let's start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. Well, interesting thing. So the, um, I, I caught the end of it, but it seems like the English Premier Soccer League decided no fans right now. And so I was catching the end of an interview and it looks like, I think the league has lost like, I don't know, 700 million euros or something. And that's like six bucks. <laughs> it's a lot more than that. And, and there was an impassioned plea from like a GM basically saying, look, it's important that we test. It's important that we do all these things. And we're being kind of like not singled out. What was he, he sort of like was saying, we're taking the brunt of this because of people out there not doing the right thing. And, and I thought that that was an interesting take on it because I think that's right. I think it is up to the masses of people to do the right thing. And if they don't, then yeah, you're not going to be able to go to a game like that. That is the reality of life. And in this country, it's kind of like in the middle because some people are getting to go but I, I have more respect for the unified ones that say, no, 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 we're doing all this or we're not doing it at all. And I think that they've made the right tough decision, which doesn't mean in two months they won't change it. But right now, I think, you know, that GM's the way he said that was interesting to hear because it was coming from, you know, a different country's perspective. Well, I mean, London is cracked down a bit more. I mean, Boris Johnson came out for the next six months, right? No, no weddings above a certain number of people. No group gatherings of a certain number of people, and I think it's a I think it's like fifteen, if I remember reading correctly. Um, so, even what you said, I mean, I, the Premier League trying to have any sort of fan attendance for a substantive period of time looks like it's going to be very unlikely. Well, a little note here from Funky in the chat, um, which it shows the state of quarterbacking in the NFL. Drew Locke who was the starting quarterback for Denver, goes down in week two. It's not a season-ending injury, but I think that they said four to six weeks. Yeah. And their fallback is that they've just signed Blake Bortles. Yeah, I saw Blake, that earlier. They almost signed him last year, supposedly also. Yeah, Blake Bortles is hideous. He is t- he's a terrible quarterback. Now, you talk about teams of five quarterbacks, Mike. There are, teams with, there are teams with five quarterbacks. Right, and none of them good. I mean, it, Right, but, but that's it, what I'm saying. Once you get past two – it's going to be that way for most teams. But, I mean, Russ, I mean, I, I and I don't know who replaced Locke in the game on Sunday, but if they sign Blake Bortles, I'm assuming that that means Blake Bortles is eventually going to start. Eventually, and, yeah, and they'll probably uh, run the ball a lot. <laughs> once he learns once he learns the playbook. I mean, I, I don't know who their backup was. If somebody in the chat wants to tell me, go ahead. But, and no, I mean, but and, and you know, it, it's sort of similar to goaltenders in the NHL. If your starter goes down, you're screwed. So yeah, I think it's worse right now in the NFL because I think a lot of NHL teams actually have three goalies that aren't bad. Jeff Driscoll, Mike. 
Yeah, that's right. Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll, who actually didn't play horrifically. Um, but yeah, clearly not of the ilk of what they're expecting. Well, that's a big endorsement there, Jen. <laughs> uh, coming from the quarterback play we've seen in our, our team lately, Russ, that is a ringing endorsement. Yeah, but you know what? If, but if, if Sam Darnold was on the market, if Blake Bortles is getting a job, Sam Darnold's getting a job. Oh, no, no. Sam Darnold, listen, he would get a job in 10 seconds. It wouldn't even be a question. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I just have to say this, and, and then we'll start the show. Uh, in, in watching and listening to New York radio or, or uh, you know, the Michael K show on ESPN, which is on uh, the Yes Network, um, I, I'm more attuned to New York and what's going on with the Jets and the Giants and the Yankees and other teams than I would normally be being in Buffalo. I find it hilarious how much they are burying and want Adam Gase fired. It, 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 I mean, Mike, it's, nobody, nobody who's a Jet fan wanted him here right. to begin with. Right. He was not particularly good in Miami. There is a reason why they let him go. But we and know why he he's there board, now. I can tell you, and Russ can correct me. I would say 90-plus percent of the Jets fans said, why the heck him? Yeah. Right. But, but again, Chris Johnson, who's still running in team, the team, uh, forged a friendship with him. So we know that that's why he had the job last year. And, 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 and Joe Douglas – Wants him to lose this year, so that's why he's not getting fired yet. And give me a dollar for every time, like every time I've heard people criticize Christopher Johnson for saying he's a brilliant offense. Oh, that was a well, bad. Quote. What What are you doing? I know. Well, he's he's living off the Peyton Manning um, era when he helped me as quarterback coach, and Manning had the big year. Granted, I would presume a large or substantial portion of that play was because of Manning. Not necessarily because of the scheme that Gabe supposedly helped him with. So he's she's traversing no, I mean, off the, over that goodwill for way too long. I, we, all we have to do is go to their home opener uh, two years ago. Adam Gase didn't do anything to win that game. Tannehill broke a couple runs off that the Jets decided not to cover on, and that was pretty much it. Now look at Ryan Tannehill now with a decent team behind him. He looks like a different quarterback. Yep. Four That's touchdown passes to the other day. All right. Um, Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, September 22nd, 2020. I'm Jan Levine, and we're all tied up in the series. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we'll wait to talk about Game 2 until Act gets here in a couple minutes. So just some breaking news here just before the show. Um, the interim tag has been removed from Bob Bugner, who now is the full-time head coach of the San Jose Sharks. Um Russ, I thought there was maybe a chance that they would dip into the coaching market because they really didn't play a lot better under Bugner than they did uh, with Peter with Peter DeBoer. Um, no, but they didn't play horrible either. So at this point, why invest in in another coach if they? I'm sure they took a questionnaire around to the players and and the players like him. So fine. I mean, is it? I what this is an admission of is that Doug Wilson is admitting that his roster was screwed up and that, you know, they got old really quick. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. And that, you know, maybe with, you know, with uh, Logan Couture hundred percent healthy with Eric Carlson, hundred percent healthy, maybe um, a goaltending change of some sort. Well, see then, then there's, and there's the, there's the issue because 
I don't now know. I mean, I, I heard uh, Pierre Lebrun on uh, on Toronto radio yesterday say that he's been told by general managers throughout the league that it's nearly impossible for them for for teams to move salary right now. Yeah. Oh, so it is. So if that's the case, then you're going to see a lot of you know what I always term crap for crap deals, meaning you know players with salary who aren't working out in one place being traded for somebody else in another place, and those both teams hoping that those things work out. But I don't know who in the hell is taking on Martin Jones at five point seven five for three, what, three years, four years. I mean, I'll tell you what I would do. I, I would call up Trejack and see how much he wants to have some Zoom calls with Martin Jones. To work with them. I would do something drastic like that. I mean, at this point, that's really all you can do. Yeah, four years at $5.75 million for Martin Jones. I mean, the only thing I can think of is a team that is so – like, okay, a team like Ottawa has no goal, has no future goaltender in there. They, they're struggling to get to the cap floor. You might have to give up a draft pick to get to get them to take Martin Jones, but if they believe that they, they can turn him around, then that might be a deal that they would be willing to do. Okay, If, if they could get a number, number one draft pick out of it, and I don't think they're going to, but if they get a high enough pick, yeah, it may be, it may be something worthwhile. Like, Ottawa's at least – if you talk about teams on different trajectories, and as odd as it says, as much as we've criticized Melnick, right, the player personnel department seems to be building – something relatively decent yeah, there. They are. They augment it with the guys in this year's draft. Right. And based upon what they have next year as well, look, the goaltender is, is clearly the need for that team. If they can find someone who can be even passable, they should have a decent shot at making a run at the playoffs in about probably another two years. Now, no, I think that's fair. I think there's, there's, a, there's a potential that um, – now, maybe, maybe. See, what you have to hope is – is that after all this goaltending shuffle that some guys really are left out in the cold and maybe you can call someone like Craig Anderson and get him on a one year, you know, that would be something that would help San Jose because I think they would take that gamble. Right. Or, or, or a Cam Talbot or Jimmy Howard. or right. At least, at least well, you, I, you could have the games for Jones and, and hope that that helps. But part of that is waiting for that musical chair. Oh, they're going to have to wait, yeah. Right, and seeing who's remaining and seeing who's desperate and trying to pounce pounce then. But you would then have to make sure you're patient enough to wait that out, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, yeah I mean, right right now, if you're, if you're Ottawa, you're, you're, I mean, Anderson's a UFA and he's, what, 41 years old? Your goaltending tandem is, Mar- is Anders Nilsson and Marcus Hogberg. Yeah. That does- uh, that's a winning combination. Oh well, it's winning if you're considering wanting to get in the get in the lottery. Sarcasm dripping. Sarcasm yeah, yeah. dripping. I mean, you know, I mean, I, and we just sort of morphed into Ottawa here, but I mean, they're in a great position with the number three and the number five pick in this draft, in a good draft. So you know, they're gonna and they've got a a collection of good young prospects and some players who I think have started to establish themselves, like Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's they're building. It's, they they had building. a good draft last year. They they have some prospects in the system. They have a, they have picks. They have multiple picks. I think this year and next year in terms of the top several rounds. So that's a team you look at and you're like, you know what? If, if they have as good of a year this year as they did last year in terms of picking wise, that's a team. As I said, it's an upward trajectory, especially when you compare it to other teams that are in the league right now. They're still going to have to sprinkle in veterans, and there there will be a year where all of a sudden, if they're allowed to spend money, they'll have some capital to do it and all those things that they have. Okay, the other thing, and X says he'll be here in a second here. The other thing that uh, Pierre Lebrun just tweeted out, 
according to a league source, the current plan for the, the Stanley Cup, and remember, at the end of the year, normally the Stanley Cup goes to each player for a day, and normally they'll, they have a party or they do something with it. According to this, the Cup is going to stay in the winning team's local market for the duration of the offseason. Uh, and players and club personnel days with the cup will be all be in market subject to enhanced safety protocol. So they don't basically want uh, uh, Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the yep. cup, to fly to Russia or have to fly to Sweden. Well, here's a question, and and I think we know the answer. So how did the cup get to the Jimmy Kimmel show? Did they just pack it up and send it? I think that was a I think that was a facsimile. I think that was a, was a facsimile. I think there was a because they have more than one cup. There's okay, there's, so that was like a secondary cup that they yeah, shipped. I, I seriously doubt that they 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 shipped the cup from Edmonton to L.A. for the. It M- made me think it looked really good. Yeah, no, but yeah, I and it's sanitizer. You clean it, you know, you let it sit out for a day or so, and you're good. Um, you know, they, but, we knew there would be something different because I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on my Sirius XM spot. I knew there would be a different protocol for the cup this year, and so that makes sense. And so players are going to have to go back to that market and plan something. They're not going to have. They're not going to be able to have a lot of people. That's it. That's just the way it is. But you'll still be a champion. So at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, now, okay. We'll start. We'll start the talk because X X Eddie's going to be here any second here. Um, okay. So it was a tale of two games yesterday. Uh, first period, Tampa Bay, and, and and I think I mentioned it yesterday. Russ, is that the the momentum from that third period in game one might be something that say that uh, Dallas is going to have to deal with because Tampa Bay dominated that that third period. They didn't score any goals. Their level of frustration showed, but it did show that they could, yeah, I think equal the effort level or even surpass the effort level of the stars who were just basically trying to play out the string. And Tampa takes a three nothing lead in the first period on a couple power play goals. I yeah actually I I didn't think any of them were really Kudobin's fault. Uh, the one was deflected. The one was that incredible pass from Kucherov to Palat. Um, but then you know it wasn't it was the the rest of the game was not a gimme. Dallas came back in the second period, and even though they lost the game three to two, Dallas made Tampa pay a physical price, and that's what Dallas does. Even in a losing effort, they made. Tampa pay for it but they overdid it they woke them up like that game was right now they were feeling each other out and and then they went overboard with the physicality to the point where the Alexiak penalty was just stupid oh this the first the penalties in the first period were absolutely asinine so yeah yeah no no doubt but I think and I also felt like Mike I felt like the third Kudobin goal was stoppable again I can't always make an excuse for a goalie because there's traffic in front of them he when it went off the back wall, he never even got an idea of where that puck was going. He and that was where you have to have a sixth sense sometimes, and the great goalies do. And I feel like, all right, but still, he's playing a great series, and he made some big stops after that. So that game is not on him. That game was on waking up Tampa, Tampa doing the right things, Tampa power play being great, and Dallas now having to realize, okay, we need to dial it down a notch. Yeah. Because we played right into their hands, and Tampa buried the goals they needed to. So, so the thing is, I think on the power play, you saw a little bit of a tweak where they started hitting the slot, but also going cross slot, which is something right. they weren't doing a lot of, and, and fix the spacing. B, these are two teams that have built up a really strong, healthy dislike for each other really quickly. I was listening to 
the radio broadcast. I was outside doing some stuff yesterday, and they kept remarking that how 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 angry both teams are playing against each other. How there is a healthy dislike and an arrogance and, and kind of a hatred already in terms of the hitting because you've seen multiple guys go into the box. You had five guys between the two teams in the box at one point in time yesterday, and both teams have ratcheted up the hitting level to a whole nother level than we saw in the first couple. And Dallas has been very aggressive in this series. Tampa matched them hit for hit yesterday. I think the hits were 51-50 yesterday, which is not normally what you would see out of Tampa. But Tampa decided to fight fire with fire, and Dallas made a couple of stupid mistakes early on. Mm-hmm. They, they were smarter in terms of the hitting, but they didn't limit the amount of hitting they did the last two periods. But but Tampa Bay just hung on even towards the end because Klimberg had a shot with under three seconds to go, and he, he shanked it a bit. But they – I thought he broke a stick. To the final buzzer, even though it was three-zip. See, I, I, I think by I think in that case, De- Tampa is playing into Dallas's hands because they Tampa de- Tampa is the more skilled team. They don't want to get yeah. into a into a knockdown dragout with Dallas. That's a game that Dallas can win. If they try to go skill on skill, then I think then I think Tampa Bay is the much better team. But I mean, the adjustment that they made in the power play it was not only structural; it was personnel because. Yeah. Took Sergachev off of there, or Sergachev, excuse me. They took Sergachev off the power play, put Pilat on there out there. They went four forwards and one defense. They went with a one-three-one structure, and they put somebody big like Kalorn in front of Kudobin. Yeah, and they Kudobin. finally went in front and, of and Kudobin, that, and that was a big thing. For I mean, them. They getting... points goal was clearly because of Kalorn being in front of the net. Yes, they finally were getting to the net. That was big for them because they weren't doing it in game one. So that was a big thing. Vasilevsky rebounded because he didn't have the greatest game one. We know that. This was a good game, um, but this was a game where I felt like Dallas can make some real good changes here mm-hmm. and still be in control to some degree. I felt like, like I said, I felt like they played into Tampa's hands a little bit too much, and I do think Mike's right. Tampa is paying a physical price every game, every shift. There's no question about that. And the guy who's, I think, paying the most of the physical price is Kucherov. I mean, Kucherov he was, is getting he's getting hammered, but he still kept coming back. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. I mean, I, but, I but, but, but you can, but again, if you're in the finals, right? Yes, there's a cumulative impact, but you see the goal at the end. You see the goal at the end of the rainbow, right? The right. cup is there. You now know you are three game, three wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. It makes it a little bit easier to take the punishment than you did, let's say, back in round one. There could still be one or two games away from him missing a game, too. Uh, I mean, that's. Now, yeah, now that's getting close. And the other thing I was going to say, Mike, mm-hmm. my feeling is still with the Stamkos thing. I feel like they're going to have to be facing elimination before Stamkos risks playing, or they risk playing him. Well, the, supposedly they pushed him really hard in the at the more the optional yesterday, yeah, um, just to see how he would respond. Then they basically find out today if he how he feels. It, it sounds to me like they're going to basically use him as a 12th forward and as a power play specialist. I just right. can't see him going out there against the fourth line with the, you know with Dickinson and oh and no, they'll hammer him. They'll, they'll 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 definitely hammer him and and I don't know if that if they they want to make sure that he can withstand that by, before right. by putting him in there. Now, a couple uh, things that happened during the game. I know Coleman. Left the game, came back. Blake Como got hit in, in the middle of the ice with a pretty high hit. 
Uh, he didn't come back, so his availability for game three is in question. I, I don't know where Dallas goes because if Foxa can't play, then you're again you're talking about probably either going 11 and seven or you're talking about going with a, like a Jason Robertson. Or I something. would prefer Robertson. I could see them going to Landria instead, but I would prefer Robertson because he's bigger and actually he can pack a wallop too besides having a great shot. Right. But Delandria is the better defensive player, so they may – and he's got offensive upside, obviously, but they, so they may go for that. There's there's a possibility of that. Now, Jan, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on, on Stamkos? Because I, I honestly, I think you don't – I mean, I don't know. I, I have no idea how close he is, if he's 50%, 60%. But if he's going to be strictly a specialist, if he's going to be somebody who, like a couple years ago when they brought him in for game seven – and he was. You saw how limited he was. You know, if that if it's that if that's the case, and you have to sort of sort of dilly dally around that, I I don't know if it's worth it. Really worth it to put to put him in the lineup. So there's a couple of things. So first of all, it kind of depends on who you're taking out of the lineup to make room for him, right? We thought Ruta wasn't particularly good yesterday, and I think he's going to get swapped out for the next game. B, right. we're not sure exactly what Stamkos's injury is. I mean, I mean, but whatever whatever it is, it's whenever a, he. It's a it's a core injury, right? But abdominal is it? Is yeah, it I think it's, it, it's, right? it's abdominal. Right? It's abdominal. So it's a, it's a recurrence of the injury they had in February. He reheard it in in around uh, phase right. two, and so part of that is any quick motion could re-trigger again, right? Which is hard to replicate in practice. Right, it's only game action. And B, you know, Dallas, if he, if and when he gets on the ice, are going to target him. They're going to hit him repeatedly. So you take the risk of putting a guy in like any like anybody else, of course, but he's at accelerate and heightened risk. Of only playing a short period of time, you're gonna to have to pull him out again because he's gotten injured. So, as Mike said, as Russ said, if you're not behind in this series or facing elimination, your best bet is to probably not dress him because of the fact you're taking a, an untoward risk that you don't necessarily need to take. And if God forbid he gets hurt again, then it trickles down to next year because of this shortened time frame where we may start the season again, where it could impact him being ready for the beginning of the 2021 season. And Russ, something, Mike, something that's going on in the chat room, I think will. We, we should chat about just for a minute, um, yeah. the 2009 draft. There was zero chance that Victor Hedman was going to go number one. Zero. Trust me. And and matter of fact, after the first two or three years of Victor Hedman, there were a lot of fans asking if he was a bust. And they would ask me if he was a bust, and I'd say no, because it took him a little while to become the superstar that he is. As he wasn't with, a as, superstar then. Right. As with all big defensemen, they take a little longer. Right. John Tavares – was a superstar in juniors then yeah. with no question the Islanders were going to use him for marketing too and they needed a face of the franchise no offense to Victor Hedman but you can't use him to market either for a face of the franchise there's there's a couple of big reasons there uh even if you were going to redraft it now yeah you can make the argument but where is John Tavares having bad years he's he he stays on this pace he's going to be a hall of famer whether he wins a Stanley Cup or not I, I see. I, I don't, and maybe I'm overstating it. I have a feeling if Tavares was still with the Islanders, there wouldn't be this criticism. It's because he went to the Leafs, and that that's it's it's now fashionable to attack to attack Tavares because, gee, he's the number two center behind Austin Matthews, who only scored 47 goals last year. Jesus, or you know, yeah. Jesus Christ. But you know, no, Tavares. I mean, Tavares is a great player, and Hedman is probably the best defenseman overall in the NHL. I don't think you go wrong with either one of those picks. 
So I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, somebody somebody uh, funky in the chat uh, mentions Larry Robinson. I guess but apparently Scotty Bowman made some comparison between Hedman and Larry Robinson. And I'm you know I mean don't get me wrong. Like I, I think Hedman is fantastic. You got to go a pretty long way to be as great as Larry. You Robinson. really do. I mean, Larry Robinson was the gold standard. He was, and I, I watched him so many times. And defensively, you couldn't get past him. Now. Is Hedman better offensively? Like, is he a better athlete? Sure. There's no question about it. But Larry Robinson was a rock-solid defenseman who could get you points and log a ton of minutes also. Hedman's got a little ways to go for that yet. And he and Robinson was extremely durable for most of his yes. career. All the time in Montreal, he was logging 30 minutes a night, you know, something like that. You know, it was him and LaPointe and Savard. Um, Hedman has had injury problems throughout his career. I mean, he doesn't take away from his greatness, but he's he has had injury problems, chronic Rob injury problems. So Robinson was the number one defenseman on an elite Montreal Canadian team that had several Hall of Flamers on the blue line. Yes. That's kind of where you kind of just have to draw the line. Look at look at who played around him. Look who also was on the blue line. And there was no question that Robinson was the unquestioned number one top blue liner on that defense. And Eck, I, uh, we'll get your thoughts on the game, but I just wanted to insert this. Yeah. Uh, so Cooper, last night, he goes 12-6. He, he sits Bogosian. He doesn't bring in Colburn. He brings in Ruta. Uh, right. I think they sit Bogosian. If he's not hurt, I think they sit him because Bogosian is too damn slow, and Dallas is fast enough yeah. that that he he can't keep up. I think that's the re they could do. They could deal with that against the Islanders. They could deal with that against a team like Boston, who's not overly fast, but against a team like Dallas, who's got people who can burn. I think Bogosian is a is a liability on their blue line. Well, I think Dallas is better at, at targeting defensemen too. Like it feels like they're better at like last night you saw that they go at they go right at, at they do go right after him, man. It's like sharks in the water. Yeah, really I mean good. they find the they find the weak link out there and they go right after him. Like bam, bam. and and you know, and that's that's good coaching. I mean that really is that's really old school. That's 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 when you see like an old school coach will do that. You know, like, and and Ruta played play was the partner for. Uh, for Hedman for most of the regular season. So there's a familiarity there. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, you know, you can definitely see that they're just going to – I mean, that's great coaching by, by bonus. You know, by bonus. Um, he's just really – I, he, he just it's it's fun to it's fun to see because it reminds you of, like, in when we were kids, you know, watching hockey. Like, that's what coaches did back then. They but what, you know, there was a week like that they took advantage thing. of it. it. We'll see what Eck thinks, too. Um, I'm going to answer the chat room by saying, how is John Tavares on pace for a Hall of Fame career? Well – He's, he's already going to catch up to guys that are 200 games or more ahead of him on the assist list. He's a, He'll pass Claude Giroux next year unless Giroux has a really great year. He's 15th in goals, and he's not even supposed to be a goal scorer. Yeah. He's on pace for that, guys. Hey, Joe, he's – he, It's he, easy to – Good, Mike. Sorry, hey, Joe. He's on. He's on pace to be a Hall of Famer because he left the Islanders. That's <laughs> no. I'm gonna. No. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Disagree with this. <laughs> Wait, which part? Because he left the Islanders or the Hall of Fame pace? Just making sure. No, um, well, definitely the Islanders thing. Um, but the because uh, the Islanders, you know, he was very good with the Islanders too. Sorry, Joe. Nothing wrong with leaving the Islanders for sure. But the other, but the thing I'll say is, um, no, I think that I think he's a Hall of he's, he has Hall of Fame talent, um, mm -hmm. and and he's and he's shown you know, and his scoring paces is, is you know is impressive. But we've seen other people like that too. Um, <laughs> And I'm not sure. I think that I think he needs to do something like really. I mean, right now he's got the same amount of points as Jonathan Taves. I get that Jonathan Taves has won all these cups. Yeah, it's not like Tavares has had the opportunity. Let's yeah, but that is that is a difference maker to me. Like, 
if and, Tavares, and if Tavares, Tavares has, will have the opportunity. Okay. This, this, if, this, if, if, if Tavares, just say this and we'll end this and we'll get back to the game. If Tavares wins one Stanley Cup in Toronto, it's worth three the, the three Stanley Cups that Taves won in terms of the minds of of Toronto fans. And remember, you know, if, if you're if you're a star with the Leafs and you put up career numbers that are Hall of Fame worthy, you have a better chance to get into the Hall of Fame than it would be somebody who's playing in St. Louis. Yeah, but you know, Tavares. I mean, obviously, he, he was he was famous wherever he yes. played. I mean, he, he's a first overall pick. He's he's. You know, he, he's just, well, that. That is definitely. And he's still got twenty years ahead of him. That's the thing. Yeah. We're, we're talking about a guy who's actually peaking more as a goal scorer these days because he's asked to do that. Right. Well, so here's the problem, right? With the move comes the accelerated pressure, and the fact is that he scrutinized higher. Excuse me, because of the fact that he moved. Right. Let's talk about it. Talk about basketball later, right? Kevin Durant moved. A lot of people thought he sold out because he moved. Now. If Tavares had been with the Islanders and the Islanders made a run through the Eastern Conference Finals, that's viewed as being greater to a certain extent than him doing it in Toronto because of the talent that surrounds yeah, him on sure. that Toronto team. And right. granted, because he moved, now he has the scrutiny because they haven't done it, regardless of if yes. he's the only one at fault. He's the one that's going to have the Kleeg lights shine, shined on him saying, hey, you moved, you moved to win, they're not winning. You have to be blamed more so than some others. I yeah. agree with that, but they have, they, I think they have to win in order to for him to get right. in. There. Unless but, on the op- but on the opposite end, if they do win, then he gets more of the credit. Not necessarily. That's well, not can't have it both ways. Because if Tava- if Mar- if Marner or or Matthews or anybody else or Nylander or anybody else is the reason, they're the ones who are going to get the credit, not Tavares. He's going to be he's a pass- on the list. if he's a passenger. If he wins the Conn Smythe, he'll get the credit. If not, yeah. he won't. And here, here, here's a Mark, and then we, I want to get back to the game here. But Mark says, you know, Saber should have taken Svechnikov over Darlene. That's the same. That's the same argument here that we're making with Hedman and, and Tavares. And honestly, Darlene has been very good for two years. He's what, twenty-one years old? Yep. He's going to be a superstar defender. Yeah, no, that's um, yeah. And in yeah, this yeah. league, I mean, as good as great as Svechnikov is, and I think he's wonderful. He's a fantastic scorer. He could be a forty to fifty goal scorer for a decade. If Darlene is as good as Darlene is purported to be, if he's as if he's close yeah. to being as good as Hedman, he's worth more. I, I mean, Darlene's better. Darlene's better Darlene, they would have the Sabers would have zero defense without Darlene. Right. <laughs> that, 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 that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, like, give me a sec here. The Sabers, like, a lot of things, but the Sabers. Um. Yeah. I mean, Darlene's the a better made mistake taking Darlene. They did not. No, they didn't. Dali's a better defensive player than Sveshnikov, no questions asked. I mean, Sveshnikov is a really good offensive player and a really good player, but Dali's a better defensive player. I mean, it's just it's the way he is. He's a better right. two-way player. I mean, and well, and he will, and that that's going to happen. I mean, is Dali a better defenseman than Sveshnikov is a forward right now? No. Is Dali going to be a better defenseman than he is? Possibly, and if he is, he's more valuable than a winger, than a power winger. Exactly. I mean, and and, and you know, Sveshnikov is a one is a, like I say, one way player. Like I mean, right now, that's what he is. He's he's going to be good defensively, but I mean, you have to. I mean, Darlene just brings so much more to the, to the table. There's no question they made the right pick on that one. I that, mean, that remember, right. Hedman didn't even have forty points right. for like five years in Tampa. Yeah, no, there were people that really questioned that pick. I mean. I mean, there were people. They used to playing. kill me on it. Act. They used to be like, I know. Is he a bust? What's going on with him? Defenseman growth is not linear. That's what right. It's not. Yeah, it's a roller coaster. It's up and down and up and down. It takes a while for guys to settle into their skin, 
and become really good. And the problem is, is Monday morning quarterback, especially two years in, you have the immediate, you have, you have a recency bias without necessarily down, you have thinking what's going to happen down the road. Now, okay, I want, I want to ask you this because you, you can be either black or white when it comes to this particular player. And they zeroed in on his antics on the ice yesterday on the, on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. If I'm a team that needs a veteran guy that needs a spark plug, that needs a guy who will do anything it takes to win, even if it's a little dirty, sign me up for Corey Perry. Because I, he may be dirty, he may be a, he may be filthy, but he does everything he needs to do to win. And that's what he did yesterday. I, I love him putting somebody in a head in a headlock. I love him getting, you know, um, I think he cup, I think he cup checked uh, Headman at the end of the first period. Do it. That's no, what I've you need to do. Do it. I have Murray Perry as far as that stuff goes. Like I think it, I think it is it is part of his game. He is very good at it. He is absolutely hated by players who play against him. Um, I there's a there's a huge history in the NHL of players who are absolutely hated. I mean, I go back to like a Thomas Sandstrom and the Rangers or whatever. You know, like that's kind of what he reminds you of sometimes. Dave Brown, Ken Lins Ken Linsman, Ken Linsman. But you know, Sands Sandstrom to me has like the more is more like Perry in that he has like the skills that Perry had offensively. Linsman was like a very good player, but really a, a playmaker more than anything else. Yeah, and, I mean, and Sandstrom also could would do so many little things. Like like Linsman was dirty behind the puck, and Linsman was like Clark, like Bobby Clark, like dirty. You know, we'd be dirty at, and you know, like um, who else? Was like, that? like Joey Coaster was that way, but like yeah, but you know, Perry is straight out, flat out, like like. Oh. How cool was it that he like to me? To me, my favorite moment is when he screams at Headman. Less did they they showed that on Hockey Night kind of thing too. Um, I was watching that broadcast, and he's. He comes like they show it in slow motion, and Perry screams full tilt at Hedman as he skates as as he skates towards him, like you know, like he's a banshee coming at him. And it's like, and you got to realize when you think about this, this is in an empty arena. So you know, can you imagine what this sounds like in there? Like the the, the impact that has like in there. You've been we've all been to practices and like and seen the when players. You know how much you can hear players talking. Can you imagine what it was like? Well, Craig Craig Paquette lost his mind. I mean, literally lost his mind. Yeah. I mean, to the point that it was almost, and, and it was the it was the uh, the reaction that that Perry wanted. They almost got a five on three power play there. They all they came within this close of getting a five yeah. on three power play with that because he just gets underneath the skin of 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 any team he plays against. And I mean, that, well, that he had to change his game, right? He went from being an offensive weapon, who was a premier scorer in the league, playing with Ryan Getzlaff. Right, a guy whose 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 numbers have dwindled substantially, and for a way to stay in the league, he's morphed into this type of player now. It's you know during the regular season he's not going to be overly productive, but in the playoffs, when everything matters and you can get guys off your game a bit easier at times when you shouldn't, he has a value at this point in time. But during the regular season, that's why he signed a one-year deal for the amount of money that he's making. He's not going to really produce a whole heck of a lot. No, and but and I mean it's possible that he will you know re-sign with Dallas but it's possible that he could make a little I mean I don't think he needs the money anymore he may he was no. he, he was he, making, wants the cup. he wants the ring that's right. what he wants I also he wants feel, I mean, the last thing on Perry is I do think that also like what he went through with his injuries and all that stuff you know I I it was tough he went through a lot of it stuff was tough. and you know and he signs this big deal and then gets hurt right away and he feels like he's a big disappointment I I, I totally you know I, I mean, mean I, it's funny because I have kid I mean you know all you need to do, if you want to know what Corey Perry is about, ask a Kings fan their opinion of him. 
Right. <laughs> you'll get, well, you'll just get, Joe Pavelski you talked about it the other day. Pavelski faced him a yeah. million times. He even said, it's weird that I'm doing an interview next to Corey Perry. Yeah. Right. yeah. And yeah, I mean, King fans, the Kings, Kings fans that I know absolutely despise him. Like beyond, they and, think he is the scum of the earth. And this, and this is what why this series promises to be a, a great one because there is equal hunger on both sides. Like if, if if Boston was playing Dallas, Dallas would be much hungrier of the two teams. Or no, no, excuse me. If if I'm sorry, if St. Louis was playing Dallas in a final, which obviously wouldn't happen since they're both in the West. But if a team that had won the cup uh, recently was playing Dallas, Dallas has Pavelski has Perry. Perry hasn't won since 07. Pavelski's never won. Sagan won as sort of a support player with Boston in 2011. Ben has never won. All these guys are hungry and Tampa is equally hungry because they won't, this is the first time they've been to the cup since 2015. And if they don't win now, I don't know with the revamped team that is going to, you know, cause they're going to trade a bunch of players or, lose a bunch of players this you know in the offseason they're not going to be the same team so there's massive hunger on both sides and i think this is going to be a war yeah yeah for sure um lindsey hofford has been fired by the coyotes and if you guys talked about that yet not surprised he's the assistant gm there um i mean again you think about everything that's going on there that was going to happen yeah yeah there's still more and there's i hear there's more there's more coming Hofford, Hofford was in the Leaf organization um, during, uh, I think it was while Lamorello and uh, early in the land, and then he got let go for unknown reasons. So, that little. So this one, I think we know. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is part of this is just part of the you know. The new, cleaning house. Fallout. They're cleaning part of, house. Part of the cleaning house. Um, I want to talk some some rumors as well here because I've been that's what kept me from you guys for a long time and might get me off here at any moment because there's a lot happening. Um so I want to start with uh Ilya Kovalchuk which is a really surprising because I'm I mean I, and I know I know Russ I'm feel the same way but Russ, tell me how you feel you know, <laughs> debate all day long and and you know and and you know or we could debate for five seconds and determine <laughs> flat out that uh that you know Kovalchuk might not be an NHL player anymore, which is kind of how I feel. Um, but that doesn't stop the fact that there's interest in him. Montreal, has, of course, said when he left, Montreal loved him there and said when they traded him, you know, that he was welcome back. And now I'm hearing that, uh, that you know, that the Devils are very interested in him. And the Devils are very interested in making a, making a big play for him. Apparently, you know, this a lot of this is being led by Mark Recchi, who um, – Really likes him a lot, and Recky, you know, tried to even convince the Penguins to bring him in there last year. I was told. Well, yeah. this this is the thing in both in both situations in Montreal and in New Jersey, Kovalchuk will not play the role that he played in Washington, which was a support player, mm -hmm. third liner. And Russ said it very accurately; he wasn't going to do well in that in Montreal after he was traded from LA and in, in New Jersey back in the, and with in New Jersey now with their sort of stripped down lineup, he's going to be a top six forward. He's going to be on the number one power play. He won't be that in, in most of the places he would go. So, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, if, if New Jersey is looking to do with Kovalchuk, what they did with Wayne Simmons last year and give him a one year deal so they can get to the cap floor. Okay. And if, you know, okay, this guy is a guy who got us to the Stanley Cup final in 2012, great. It's not going to get you anywhere. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very sentimental type thing because for New Jersey, New Jersey fans really liked Kovalchuk a lot. Um, you know, like my Devils fans, you know, that we talked to that, you know, you know, I mean, Russ, one of our buddies, Michelle Kenneth, 
Mm -hmm. We you know, would often talk about how good Kovalchuk was in the locker room and how important yeah, he was. There's no there. question. He he definitely was a leader at that time. Yeah. And now he's a passenger. Like I don't know yeah. why you would do it. If if you spend more than a million dollars on on Kovalchuk, the joke's on you. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Also know there's a lot of double fans who are still upset the fact that he left, even though right. him leaving that year, considering what the cap ramifications were, he a heck of a lot better than if he did it the following year. It I mean, he's made right. an enormous amount of money. And there's also debates on what went down with that, Jan. Like, um, you know, and I think Devils fans to, to just throw it on Kovalchuk is not necessarily right. There are people who you know, you'll, and you know, they'll never admit to this, of course, but that you know, there was a sort of an arrangement beforehand that 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 the devils knew he wasn't going to stay for the entire contract, which is of course is highly illegal and, you know, cap circumvention and all that stuff. But I don't know. So I don't know if I buy it, you know, I'm not making any accusations, but there's all sorts of things out there about this. Um, so I don't know, you know, like I don't, I don't think devil's fans should necessarily be pissed off at Kovalchuk. I also think it had to do with his wife. There's a lot of stuff that went on there. So just, you know, the whole thing of it is the devils might be interested in bringing him back. I don't, I, or the Devils are interested in bringing back, I should say. That I was told by a very good source for sure. So I'm surprised. You know, I'm a little surprised. I mean, Kovalchuk's back in Russia right now. I heard he was at the Askarov shutout the other day. I see mm -hmm. on Twitter he's running a camp with Kaprizov. Yeah. That's all great. But that's it. He's a name in Russia. He should not be in the NHL anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. But at the same time, who knows? You know? I mean, who knows? So that's something. The other thing is, um, the other thing I was working on right before I came on here was Lundqvist um, as well. But we can get to this question if you want to first. Yeah, Amat Tocorino asks, it's obvious Jim Rutherford is having issues moving Matt Murray. Isn't the timing crucial at this point? Well, yes and no. I think, I mean, they, uh, they would have to qualify him because uh, he's a restricted free agent arbitration eligible. So that locks you into something, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you have to. You're going to be paying him because there's a there's always a hearing, and then he could be traded or he, or they just agree to a one year deal. But I think they don't want they don't want to go into the season with both Jari and Murray because they're going to lose one unless they trade one of them before the deadline. They're going to lose one in the expansion draft to Seattle. So ideally, I think Rutherford wants to move Murray now uh, before before next season. Um, I actually, I, I heard, I don't know if you heard this one and I just, I heard it from, I think it was Elliot Friedman, uh, of talk of a Devin Dubnik for Matt Murray deal between Minnesota and Pittsburgh, obviously with Garen's connections to Pittsburgh. Right. Nick is a UFA, I believe at the end of the year. So that would give them a number two behind Jari, who's, you know, a veteran. Yeah. He's a, one year at 4.333 million for Dubnik. So that would give you a, a veteran one B for Jari. And then he's a UFA and you don't have to protect him. And Murray could be the goalie of the future in, in Minnesota under Garen, unless they're not sure that, I mean, I know they have a goalie prospect and it was a Capo Cajonan. Yeah. Um, and you know, if they think that they need, he needs more time then Murray in Minnesota might make sense, but yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it's crucial, but yeah, like Mike said, it would be ideal if they could, but right now teams are strapped. So if yeah. it waits, then the deadline or before the deadline is going to be when it's crucial. You know, again, you might go a month into the season and then somebody has an injury and they're desperate right. and then Rutherford's right there and you can make a trade. But this, right. is, this, this is the issue with Murray. He's going to want a long-term contract. He's going to want a long-term for, for whoever whoever he's traded to. He's going to want a long-term deal. 
He's got two Stanley Cups on his resume. He's not going to take a cheap deal. And that should mitigate the return that a team has to give up for him. Well, now it depends. I mean, it, it, it depends, Mike. It depends on like whether or not, I mean, yes, he has that. But right now in this, in this dynamic right now, uh, no goalies are going to get long-term contracts. I mean, they're having Markstrom's having a tough time getting a long-term contract and he's, you know, coming off a of Vesna season. Vesna. Well, he might have a shot if the musical chairs comes to an end and there's nothing out there and he sees that he has bargaining position. But right now, given the given the plethora of yeah. names that are out there on the marketplace and the flat cap, he's not and also since he's arbitration eligible, right? So he'll get a he'll get a bump. Right. But the team does still have a certain amount of hold upon him. So he's not gonna be able to push as much as he may want. Yeah, there's a lot of other options potentially available right now. Well, right now, the, the, the goal, the goalie domino feels to be Markstrom. Like that seems to be the thing that's that's the, doing everything because Markstrom and is tied to Demko, and Demko is a, is a those are two very valuable goalies. That yeah, they're they're in demand for yeah, sure. Everybody wants so once we we have to find out what happens with Markstrom, I think before a lot of these goalie things play out. You know, like that that's Mark, the issue. Markstrom might be also tied with someone like Holpe because if Markstrom goes to Calgary, yeah. then Holpe can't go to Calgary, exactly. and then. You don't know where Hopi is going to go, if anywhere. And that, and you know, and there's, I mean, that, that to me, the goalie thing is 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 really being blocked by that right now. And it would be very good if Markstrom signs before, obviously, even before the draft. That would be great to get things moving. But it right. looks like this could go right out to the uh, to the end. So I don't know. That's going to put teams in a weird spot. Like if you're going to make a move for Matt Murray, and you pay a lot for him, all of a sudden, you know, you you might be overpaying for him right now. You really might be in terms of what is available because. I, I think I'm, I'm I think I'm safe in going out on the limb and saying that I don't believe that Rutherford's getting a first round pick for Matt Murray. No, but also I think what X saying without saying it, which is something that I was going to say before when you were talking, Mike, is let Pittsburgh set the market for Murray. Let him pay him, then I'll trade for him. Then I yeah. know what I'm dealing with. Yeah, that's that's yeah, a, that's the only thing that's risky there, Russ, is if you pay him if you pay him too much for somebody's taste. Then you're stuck. Well, Pittsburgh pays them too much. They're stuck with them anyhow. But right. why should I set the market for Matt Murray when I'm right. getting him in the trade? I should wait until the market value is set for him. I think they that's actually did. That's why you're going to wait on Markstrom, and that's why you're going to wait on these other some of these other goalies. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think what that they actually were probably going to do first is sign Jari to a two year to a two year bridge deal. Uh, before they deal with Murray at all, at all. But they want to. Oh, I don't think they should do it. I think they should. That impacts your bargaining position, though. Right, I, I would right. never do that. And they because they yeah, could get Mark Andre Fleury back. It definitely impacts your bargaining. There are all the rumors yeah. out there that Pittsburgh could get Mark Andre Fleury back as a backup. So that's a rumor. I mean, again, a lot a has to happen in the world for that to happen. I mean, yeah, really, I, I don't I, know what with Murray. All that's happened is Murray has to, you know. I don't even think a five. I don't even think a five million dollar Mark Andre Fleury is worth it right now. Based on, I mean, look, look no, at his number. Three, if Vegas ate two of it, you'd yeah. say yes. Give me. Yeah, more. no, it is kind of because I mean, Jari's not going to be that expensive right now. You know, I mean, he's going to be, be over three. He's going to be over three, but you're 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 a Stanley Cup team. So when you think about, you know, okay, if you have eight million or seven, well, that's the big question. Are they a Stanley Cup team anymore? Well, they think they are. I mean, they and, think they are, but we're we're not sure anymore. So in their heads, they're going in their heads. I think five or six, you know, six million dollars for for your two goalies is. Reasonable. Are, are you are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? <laughs> we'll see. By the time um, they know that answer, Rutherford's going to be on the golf course somewhere. The uh, now Lundquist for a second. Um, Lundquist is another. Well, I was working right before I got on the right before I came on here. You talked to um, Henrik? Is that what you're going to say? No, I did not talk to Henrik. <laughs> not today. I oh, not today. Okay. He was transfixed by his baby blues. 
I, yeah, I can't, I can't, you know, he, I get lost in his eyes. Um, so no, I, um, no, I talked to people very close to the situation though. And it looks like, it looks like Lundquist will, you know, there's a very good chance they're going to buy him out if, you know, if he doesn't retire um, or, or, you know, just, tr or try to work out a deal. And there, they are still talking to New Jersey and everyone laughs at me about that, but it's still a team that they're talking to. And it's a team that fits. It's a team that he doesn't have to move for. There's, there's, he has to agree to it. That's the big problem. He has to agree to it, but you know, I mean, it. You know, there's. Like Mark Andre Fleury, when he when Mark Andre Fleury agreed to go to Vegas in the beginning, that was like such a big deal because okay, you know, Mark Andre Fleury was a Stanley Cup goalie going to an expansion team. Everybody thought that was a death sentence, right? Um, I think you know when you look at New Jersey. And when when Lundqvist sits and looks at New Jersey and looks at what's happening around the NHL, you can make a case that New Jersey is a little bit like that Vegas team was. Like, have you ever heard Henrik Lundqvist talk about the Devils? It's pretty close to Wayne Gretzky. I get it. I get that process. Yeah, it's the Mickey Mouse organization, though. Yeah, I mean, it, no, I get that. But at the same time, you go if if he looks at the, the young talent they have, looks at he doesn't have to leave New York. He can stay in New York. And he looks at like one year. Okay, I'll go there. I'll, I'll see what happens. You know, maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. They've got young talent. We all know that last year. You know, some people were picking on to make the playoffs. Even this year, the Devils. Yeah, yeah, last year with all the moves they made in the offseason, some people view them as a dark wow. horse. They camera. did. They did. That was remember. Remember, remember weeks, they looked. They looked too dark. Then, and then two weeks into the regular season, people realized that that was a stupid idea. But in the second oh. half of the regular season, the Devils were what the third or fourth best team in the in the the Devils were good in the second half of last year, guys. Sure, they, but I mean, there's a lot of teams. and that and that there's no reason to think that they can't move that yeah. over into this year. But here's the here's the problem. The problem is, okay, you're going to bring in a 30 year 38 year old goaltender who's going to be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt. Who's well respected in the league. You're going to bring him in to take time away from a young goaltender. Who will finish in the top six or top seven of the of the Calder Trophy uh, voting? To it teach a top young goaltender to, to you know, I mean, there's a Lundqvist has you know, the Lundqvist has to make this like it. You got to understand what Lundqvist just went through. You know, we have Lund he went through the situation of being one of three goalies being scratched and sitting on the bench. You know, in, in New York, that that doesn't that. That shot his ego down a little bit, you know. He's got a good side. Yeah, know, but you know what? Larry Brooks makes a good point that I want to make again, too, because I tried to say it to Mike again the other day. If the Rangers buy out Lundquist, and I didn't include a few of the other buyouts, they have $12 million of dead money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did a lot of dead money. I'm looking, dead money but I'm, looking, I'm looking up on cap friendly right now. They He, he has an $8.5 million cap hit. If they buy him out, they only. Uh, Three mil, three yeah, million. Which a lot of that's going to go to play Alexander Gorgiev because he's a restricted free agent. Right. There's a lot of that money that's going to have to go to pay him, given what he's making now. Even if you say half, that's still a you're not saving an enormous amount. Of, you're saving, but you're not saving substantive amount of money by. Why, making why not trade Mark Stahl to the Buffalo Sabers and eat some salary? That's what I would do. If Buffalo was interested, you'd have to have you have to willing. Plus, I think he's also got a no movement clause. Yeah, but I think he would do it because his brother's there. Right, he might. The Sabres, move you make. If the Sabers signed Jared Stahl, then you could have, you know, because <laughs> Jordan is in Carolina, then you'd have, you know, three brothers. What the hell? No, but I think, think, I, think brothers all in I mean, I think it's like you know, Lund it, it's Lundquist. I get what Lundquist is. You guys know Lundquist better than I do, but the reality is, there aren't that many options for him out there. You know, like really, people are saying Colorado is an option for him possibly. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think it. so. 
I don't see it either. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't think so. And that's a situation where they have two goalies. Really, I mean, we know what happened this year, but you know, are they going to hold that on Francois? Is like he's in. He's a terrible goalie. I don't think they're going to say that. Yeah, but because there's so many goaltenders out there, there are better options other than spending eight and a half million in capital right. on on Lundqvist. Right. Well, your, your population base of where you can send them in general is limited. Then couple that with the number of available other options that are there and it reduces your ability to move him. The only thing that's been come up is he's already been paid. His salary this year is only five and a half million. He's right. gotten a million dollars in the bonus already, which means the salary is only four and a half million, which is why if you're going to move him to a team that's got to hit the floor but doesn't want to pay a lot of money, a team like Ottawa's name has come up in the past. If you can get him to waive the no movement clause, which is probably going to be somewhat unlikely. Why would he go to Ottawa and not New Jersey? I mean, like, they would because they may not want to move him to New Jersey and have him in the same division. Right. And, and Eck, it's possible if they trade him to Ottawa that he just says, I'm retiring or I'm going to Sweden. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he goes to Ottawa. Well, yeah, I mean, Storm, he would have gone for London for the year, and the Rangers would have probably been very happy because that was the rumor that they were hoping was going to happen that he'd retire, play a year with his brother in Forlunda with yeah. Joel. And, and then they wouldn't have to be on the hook for paying him his contract. And they also wouldn't have to deal with the fact that they – look, part of it is a proud athlete. There's no question, which is why it's made him so great. But they also have to balance it with the long-term goal of mm -hmm. him being an ambassador for the team. And if they buy him out, that could end up impacting whether or not his desire to come back as an ambassador for the team, especially no in the short I think – I mean, is it possible? Yeah, right. If he's going to come back as an ambassador for the team – so you're, you guys are saying, you know, you won't move New Jersey because you don't want to move him in the division. Isn't it possible that if that's the only place for him to play, you would do Lundqvist a favor and send him there? If he's willing to go if there. he wants to. He holds a lot of the cards here because of the Yeah, I know, for sure. Right? You, you could work out all the deals you want. If he says no, right. your two options are, okay, keep him or buy him out. That's it. Right. I, I, honestly, you could, say, you could say to Lundqvist – I will sign you to a five-year, $5.5 million personal services contract to be our ambassador so you lose no money, but we can't afford you as a player any longer. Well, if the other thing that you got to remember, what else comes under great scrutiny is if you buy him out, as an example, the next move you make and whatever you do for that season is always going to come back to, is this why you bought Lundquist out for this? And right. that is going to be something that will follow Jeff Gordon around, even if he's not ultimately the one who's making the decision 100%, and it's a group decision, yeah. it will still fall on Gordon. Yeah, yeah. The goalies. I mean, it's like that's that's under, that's the reason you buy him out. You buy, we buy him out because we have two young goalies. I mean, right. that's but act, this, yeah. is, this is this is it's a little different though, act. Correct. This is the mo this is more traumatic to the New York Rangers in terms of their history than when they when when they dispatched Jockman to Detroit. Yeah. At this well, point, it is. Only one thing, Tom, Thomas Boyle and Joe Morello, there is no recapture penalty. He signed his contract under 35 years old. Right. Correct. The old thing, if he retires, the Rangers are on the hook for nothing. There is no – they right. are. They have no salary cap implications. They save $8.5 million right. against the cap. He signed at 30 – I think it was 32 or 33. All right, right. so next I want to get into Yager and how, how I think he's going to return. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not going to do that. Um, and Randy, you know, Mike touched on this. They save $3 million this year based on salary if they buy out at Blumfist. Based upon this year's salary cap hit, I want to talk Tory Krug for a second because I did some research on this one as well. Um, okay. And you know, obviously Detroit's the name that keeps coming up, and mm -hmm. people think he'd go there. He's from there. We get that. Um, but an odd name that came up with with the Tory Krug again. This is like the focus point of today. We're staying in the Metro Division. Is the New York Rangers with okay. Tory Krug? And I was I was I was surprised to hear this name with Tory Krug. I, I just 
Yeah, and I, you know, I talked to somebody who's very close to this thing. You know, I if I tell you who it was, you'd be shocked. But it's like there's no question that the Rangers have actually interest in Tory Krug. Well, I mean, Gordon was was in the Bruins organization. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to talk to him. But I think after they talk to him, they're going to realize they can't afford him. Right. So you're going to pay Tory Krug eight million dollars to be your number one pair defenseman alongside Jacob Truba, but you're not going to give Tony D'Angelo two and a half million dollars less to keep him because you don't have the cap room to piece go. Well, here's my thing, Dan. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. Look, I love Krug, but he's he's honestly 29. You know what? If I'm getting a guy who's 23, 24, yeah. If I'm getting a guy who's 29. I think it's a very silly move. All right, I'm I mean, going to throw my 15 years of rumor experience in on this one for a second and well, say – I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying my no, 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 I agree with everything you I just think said. it's a bad move to make as much as I love Tory Krug. Everything you just said I agree with based on what you're – based on the parameters you're talking about. But here's the thing about these rumors, and this is, this is what the thing about rumors are. If this is the case, there's something up with D'Angelo. Like that's that's where my head goes immediately. Well, there's definitely something up money talked about pay it. other guys. Right, but maybe they're looking at D'Angelo like they don't want him. Like they're they, maybe they're saying there, I would say this. After all the talking that's been done about D'Angelo and you know, you do some digging, I think they're split on him. I think they yeah, like what he's they done are. there. They look, they got him on a steal right of they got him on a steal of a deal, right? So yeah. everything they got out of that deal was gravy. Last year completely unexpected probably the amount of points he got i knew he'd be a good nhl offensive defenseman and he is now the question is with everything else that he's bringing you do you trust him long term and i think there's still a lot of teams that don't trust him long term right let's just just say this if jeff gordon had unlimited buyouts they would buy out three players this season. Yes. They would buy out Stahl, they would buy out Brendan Smith, and they'd buy out Lundqvist. But they right. don't. They've already used two buyouts on Girardi and Shattenkirk. They've got one left. The one, the one that makes the most sense would be Lundqvist because of you know he's making eight point five or five point five, so it would say three million bucks. Right. But unless they find unless they find a team to trade Stahl or Smith to clear their salaries out, there's no way they're in on a big. Are a big uh, UFA defenseman. And I do want to say this: it's not political views because I see Joe is asking that. I mean, the the Rangers owner is a Donald Trump supporter. It's not that; it's the outspokenness part of him. Yeah, that that worries. It's it's the inability to step away from situations where he's triggered or challenged on Twitter, and then having—I'll call it the maturity—but having the wherewithal to step away. He's gone back and removed stuff and apologized after the fact, as opposed to just ignoring now. Also, he had issues, remember, before he came to the Rangers, yeah. both in Tampa and in Arizona, which is what paved the way. He supposedly, according to what David Quinn has said and others, has said he has matured, especially on the ice. Yeah. Defensively, he still struggles in his own zone. He's really good yeah. at zone exits. He's really good at triggering the attack. He's got to get better. But the issues he has in terms of not the inability to basically have rabbit, not hear everything and learn to ignore everything hasn't happened yet. Then that coupled with his political views, especially given the environment we are in, right. is what causes the issues. They would have to think about this. Okay, there's there's something more to this because I'm gonna like I obviously not obviously I'm just gonna say that I don't agree with his political views. Doesn't matter. Um, the and, and a lot of hockey people do. There are a lot of Trump supporters in hockey. That doesn't matter either. Yeah, but, but they the would have. Reality, no, let me finish, please. The reality okay. here is this: um, some of this stuff that's being prone on Angelo is probably unfair. Like. That you know, and I really do believe that. Like, I think that you know, he, he is a hothead for sure. He does have an attitude. Um, he does bring a big 
He does bring a certain cockiness to him. And what you're seeing is is the is the clash of the of his generation and the hockey culture. Right. Like you're see you're seeing that to a, you know, I think that is definitely a All right, hold on. There's some there's some breaking news here that I was hearing rumblings yesterday, and this seems to be true. If Tony D'Angelo's radio show, WIT Free Press, voted for him in the in the heart, and he did get a heart vote. That is what I'm talking about. Why the Rangers have paused? So, right? No, and, and I'm not saying time, those kind of shenanigans they don't like. I'm but not, not going to sit there and say, "Yeah, that's horrible," or whatever. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to. It's not good. No, act. But, but let me let me just say this. I think that the Rangers, as an organization, would have just as much of a problem with D'Angelo and his outspokenness if he was dating Alexandria Ocasio Cortez as he is as being a MAGA guy. I don't think. Oh, it's yeah, a no, you're absolutely right. It has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with his political affiliations. Honestly, I want to say that it, what what it has to do with is is the is the culture oh, of hockey and whether or not you're going to like uh, whether you know. I mean, this is why people call people call PK Subban a bad locker room guy. It's like, and he's not. I mean, you, like the reality is, I mean, PK Subban has had issues in locker rooms too. There are times when he gets too cocky and too confident, and he's and he acts like he's a, hockey is weird, man. PK There's a weird like, culture that goes behind the scenes. Okay. This. Well, let's put it this way. If the, if the Rangers had signed D'Angelo last year to a multi-year contract, which that was on Borden for not freeing enough enough room. He, he didn't trade Nemesnikov until into the year. Right. If he was making the one and a half to two million, this argument wouldn't be happening. The exactly. problem is right. now he's a restricted free agent with R. Bryson. You have to determine how long you're going to lock him up for right. and how much money you're going to give him. Look, in person, I've met D'Angelo. He's a really nice guy. But the problem is, is your Watch Your Tone podcast, which actually is pretty fun and pretty good to listen to, the guys he associates with himself with because who he's grown up with creates issues. He has the historical perspective, and the view was, yes, some guys posted. He had some racist comments from when he was a kid. Right. Part of that has been attributed. Anthony's been on the show saying just the nature of where he grew up in Philly. And that's that's the fire and that doesn't excuse it. But when you add all this together, then you got to decide, huh, how am I going to allocate my money because I only have a certain pool of a flat cap that's the problem. If the cap went up to 85 or 86 million, right. I really don't think a lot of the stuff you're hearing would necessarily be an issue because you'd have the funds to be able to pay them now with a limited amount of cap space. All of this gets factored into the mix. And yes, right. it is the dichotomy between where athletes were in the 80s and 90s versus where they are now. They are more outspoken. They have more power. They have the ability to free press, which may not have been even the case even 10 years ago because yeah. of the environment we live in. And and the would be an issue, Jan, but it, I don't. I, I agree that it wouldn't be. This is the thing. It would be a behind the scenes issue if if you didn't have to worry about the salary aspect of it. But it would still be. It would still be going on. The yeah. fact. The fact of whether or not they're going to decide whether or not to sign him or not forces well, it to the forefront because it forces it like okay, this is what we're going to have to look at. But it would be there. Trust me. There's players. There's and he's not the. There are lots of players we don't even talk about that have the same kinds of issues, mm -hmm. but they're not. But there's not. But there's not something going on with their salary there's not but, something going on with that but where he is right now in, in contractually in his career is also a factor he's played it, he's in his fourth year he's got three years until he's a ufa so he's you know he's i don't think he's interested in inching one year at a time toward ufa he wants a multi-year deal and he's not going to get it from the rangers because they don't have the cap space to do it yeah, well, I don't think it's his own yet. show, by the way. I don't think it's his own show that voted for him, but because some people are alleging that, but still, someone voted for him for the hard well, his own, the, the podcast he's on wouldn't have a vote. I mean, that's yeah. just, no, no, but they're, you never know who they're affiliated with. Well, who well, again, 
he may have friends from where he grew up that may have decided to vote for him again. Yeah. But again, you can't necessarily blame D'Angelo for that, right? If you want right. to blame yeah. someone, yeah. Yeah. blame the guys who decided to vote for him. Not I him. know, but these things follow him, and that's the problem. The Rangers don't like that stuff. They don't like the outgoing. Hockey leader. doesn't like that stuff. As you know, it's hockey in general. It's like, right. and, and there's some of the the issue is, and sometimes that is hockey's hockey is his own worst enemy with this. Sometimes, kind of yeah. Maybe, maybe that vote came from Washington. <laughs> you know, it's like to me, to me, like it, it, the the idea here is that you know, and and PK, someone said in the chat room that like you know, PK PK's issues in the locker room or what the issues PK's had. I don't, I really, honestly don't believe have anything to do with his race. I want to say no, that. Right no, no, no. Because people, people, people always assume that, oh, PK, PK doesn't fit in because he's, it has nothing to do with it at all. It really, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know exactly, but everything I've ever heard, people love him. Like I know in Montreal when he was originally, then when they said he was like a locker room issue in Montreal, you know, I, you know, I had a couple good friends that were in the locker room in Montreal who said that was the most ridiculous rumor in the world. No, that he no, was no, the no. nicest person in there and completely. No, it, it has not. It has nothing to do with him being not, not nice. He's a nice guy. He's a good teammate. But the problem is, is that it, when PK is in the locker room, it's the father, the son, the Holy Ghost, and PK. He's the center. No, I don't think that's it. I think uh, that I it, it, Mike. I think and what it is when he played well. Yes. that was less of an issue last year. His performance suffered. Right, that's why it's easy. See, that, to that's what closer, Jamie, because there is this hockey how much charity work he did while he was there. Also, that completely gets forgotten. There is a hockey mentality, especially among Canadian kids, that they are not cocky if they're not playing well. Like that, that is what they do. They, they can be like, and he's, and some cap, some can, some captains on NHL teams, I'll, and I'll throw Claude Giroux into this, have this problem where they like, they're really good leaders and really good captains until they're not playing well, at which time they feel like they can't speak up in the room. Subban will speak up all the time. And that's, and that's okay. And that's like what most sports are like, you know, but the reality is in hockey, that comes off as wrong. You know that, and that—that's where PKs run into a situation. It's—it's it, a, t you know, the sport is so so slow to change. I mean, like the stuff that we've all seen as like bloggers. I mean, just this sport is so slow to like move forward. Sometimes I do want to say that you can't blame me. What happened with Ted Lindsay, right? Ted yeah. Lindsay tried yeah. to create a players' association. Right. Look how the NHL blackballed him. Oh my gosh. That mentality has carried forward even to this day, even Bobby Hall. years ago. You know, look at Bobby Hall and WHA. There's stuff that's still yeah. like. I mean, it just, there are stuff, you know, th th and it's not if a white player acts this way, no one has, no, that's not true. We're talking about one, we're talking about white player right now, you know, in D'Angelo. I mean, there's plenty of guys. I mean, and there have been plenty of other guys. I mean, Yager, people had issues with Yager at times for this. Well, there reason. was reasons. I, I wish, I, I witnessed why there was issues with Yager early on. And then by the time he became a Ranger, he was a lot more mature. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think we, unless we want to talk about any more rumors, I think we should men, mention some before we go. Um, go ahead. The awards? Well, yeah, actually, we should do the awards. I'll, I mean, we didn't mention. Well, you already kind of mentioned it in the back door way there. Yeah, right? You know, yeah, I mean, oh, the, the, the awards were pretty much what we all did. Three votes for right. There was nothing like nothing odd about them. I thought they were very totally uh, no, I no. really thought the, Mac the McCarr Hughes vote should have been a heck of a yes. lot closer. In my yeah, I think people did not see below just how good Hughes was. On just how much he meant to that team, and McCarr was good, but I really thought the vote was going to be a heck of a lot closer. And and McKinnon and and Drysaddle intuitive ballots not being in the top five, there is something eminently wrong with those votes. Yeah, no, I agree. There are 
we do have to look at who like votes for these things sometimes. I mean, Eck, with the underlying stuff with Hughes, um, besides ice time, which by the way, even in the playoffs, he was one of their biggest ice time guys, zone exits, points. Yeah. Would they be a playoff team without him? Not no. to take away from McCarr. McCarr is a hell of a player, but honestly, a lot of people don't watch the Canucks games. That is a problem. Right. Then to me, there was a little bit, and it's funny because one team plays on, you know, because because Hughes plays on a Canadian team and McCarr plays on an American team, but McCarr is still Canadian and Hughes is American. And that's still, uh, we've seen this many, many times over the years when two players are like we think are neck and neck. If one of them's Canadian, they do tend to win out. I'm just and that, and I think there are more. There's still more hockey writers, maybe that, are, maybe with Canadian bias, which is surprising because it shouldn't be that way. There's more teams in America, but I still see it. You know, we still see it all the time. I think that played into it, um, and I also think that you know, Hughes's performance in the playoffs was so outstanding too. But that, that doesn't count. It doesn't count, right? If you go to the underlying numbers, you see just how good he was this year. It's the same argument we talked about when the, when the, when it came out. Look, I was biased for Panarin, no question. But I got to be honest with you, McKinnon, after what he did and how he carried yeah. that team during the regular season, when they had Ranton out, when they had McCarr out, they had Land. I mean, you name it, how many guys were out. I really thought McKinnon sh- probably should have won the heart. I thought he should have won the heart too. But I thought that I thought either one of them, I, I, you know, Drysaddle's season was phenomenal. What Drysaddle has done, and yeah, you can sit there and say that I don't, you know, Drysaddle is a German, McKinnon's a Canadian. That should have gone the other way, if 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 my theory is true, but. Yeah. Um, I think Drysaddle, you know, this is a case also where Drysaddle, you know, in this case, Drysaddle is playing in Edmonton with Connor McDavid. People are seeing Drysaddle all the time on TV, you know, um, probably more than they're seeing McKinnon even. So I well, think I'll, I'll, I'll give credit to the writers that only one gave Connor McDavid a first place vote. That's that's refreshing because, you know, honestly, if it wasn't Drysaddle, I mean, there's no way that McKinnon, I don't think McKinnon, should, I don't think, uh, sorry, McDavid should have been in the top five. I think there were two. No, I put him in the top five. Stop. No, I'm, I'm serious. He didn't have, he didn't have as impactful. Well, who would you have four and five? You'd have Malkin in the top five, I assume. It was Drysaddle, McKinnon, Panarin, Pasternak. McDavid fifth, uh, Hullabuck. I would have had Hullabuck ahead of McDavid. Okay, I, I can see I that. that. I would have had Malkin high up also because he had a pretty darn good year yeah, as well. I'm not, I'm not saying I would have put Austin Matthews ahead of me ahead of McDavid, but Austin Matthews finishing behind Jack Eichel, who missed the playoffs uh, completely in a 20. 24- I mean, I'll, I'll tell you who my five were. My five were Pasternak, Drysaddle, McDavid, McKinnon, Panarin. Those were my five. I would have probably had Helly in my top five. Let me, let me let's just mention this before, before, and I suggest people read this because it was an excellent column uh, written by Emily Kaplan, ESPN, along with uh, our buddy Greg Wyshynski, um, interviewing nine players who were not named. They were, uh, you know, just they they kept their names out of it, but asking them about the uh, the things in the bubble and what was go- and what was going on in the bubble and. One of the common themes in this was they did not get everything that they were promised by the NHL in terms of amenities, in terms of this, in terms of that. They got in there and they felt a little let down by what the NHL and okay, they got through it. It was great. I think the you know the the, the playoffs were fantastic. This tells you one thing: this will never happen again. They will. Yeah, they're, they're not going to do. But 
but and I don't think it's going to need to have it happen again. Well, like, hopefully not. But if they, if they, no. do, they won't. And, if, and it will. It will happen again if it needs to happen again. I don't think it was fully the NHL's fault. We no. knew, like, look, we talked about the amenities thing. We knew there was going to be bitching about that because every league bitched. But I think at the end of the day, when the the winning cup team is out on the ice, and there are some families there and others that aren't, that's when you're going to start hearing the griping more because that's when it's yeah. really going to hit them. Well, what I'm saying is they will not go to hub cities and play and have, you know, it, it will be closer to what Major League Baseball is doing or the NFL is doing, traveling to cities. Like you said yesterday, I double headers where a team plays two games in two consecutive days and then they're done for the rest of the year in division or outside of division. That makes completely, complete perfect sense. But they will not go and sequester themselves in a city. For for weeks on end, they will not do it ever. No, they're not going to do it now. No, I don't. I just I disagree, you guys. I, I think that. I mean, I think that they don't want to do it. But I think I if I think, do it. what I don't think they will do. You it. You think they would cancel a season before they did it again? No, I think I think they're going to. No, because I. But what if things get things aren't that as bad right now, guys? We can sit there and sit there and talk about doing playing in front of your own home arena. But remember, at the time this decision was made to to do to, to do this. I get that. That wasn't the case, you know. So if, the, if things get as bad as they were then, and we have are in the same spot again, yes, they will do it again. Back right now, I'm saying what right now what is going on is Major League Baseball is now they're doing a bubble for their playoffs, but Major League Baseball and the NFL are traveling to cities. They're yeah, surprised. I know. They're but that's right now, and that's and I get that. I'm I'm just saying that we, God forbid, we get as bad as it as bad as that was. But you know, but if it does happen. It'll, it will, it will, you know, and I mean, I just, we can't say never on it is all I can say. No, you can't say never. I, I mean, mean, the decision to do that is not ideal. It was never ideal. It's never what they wanted to do. But I, I think they, they have a hard do. time. Yeah. Yes. Remember the last time the vote kind of went through really quick. Right. This time it will take days and days and days and days of deliberation before that vote goes through. And lots and lots of, lots of trying to sway people. Yes. That vote will not go through nearly as quickly as it did. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, the vote went through quickly because that was the only option. I mean, if there's other options, yeah. But if there's no options, there's no other options. I mean, look, listen. Hopefully, we have like a a vaccine, and by the playoffs next time around, we're pretty good, you know. But that's we don't know. Here's, so, a, here's, here's a good parting line here. Uh, in I guess he's doing his media interview. Uh, Bill Armstrong, the new Coyotes GM, quote: "I didn't come to the desert to get a tan." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's good. Well, he already did something today, so we'll see what happens here. But I, you know, I mean, I think that I think we're going to start the season just like baseball and football is doing right now. I think that is how it'll start, um, and hopefully, that's how hopefully it'll end with people in the stands in the playoffs. You know, yeah. That's 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 what we can hope for. Yeah, that's. I think that's a realistic approach. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's where they want to get to. Uh, but I think that in order for them to do that, it's going to take the NHL is going to have to do some serious. Um, stuff because there are some teams but then that'll be another year of a billion dollars in losses and that means the cap won't go up for like five years correct right right and there's gonna there's gonna and i think the nhl some of the richer nhl teams are gonna have to help out some of the lesser nhl teams to make it work <laughs> wow. i know <laughs> no because there's it i, I do think that's gonna Game on it, it you're only as strong as your weakest link oh Revenue Act, share. The, 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 the big the big market teams will say, let them die. 
That's what they'll say. Yeah, and it impacts the league as a whole. So it does. It no, does. It's it, this is a nice kumbaya, but I'm telling you, it's not going to happen in this league. Nope, it's not. If it doesn't happen, we will lose three or four teams. I mean, we're going to lose some teams. It's going to happen. I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think so? It's going to happen. Because I think the NHL realizes that things are going too well for it, and and they're they're too well set up for this thing when it returns. I think it's worth. I think it's worth it to them to keep these teams alive through this. That's all it needs is to be is a couple, three more months of losses, and that could change everything. I, I wouldn't lock yourself into that. I'm not locked into it. It's just my opinion. You know, yeah. I, I, we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, it, it could it could always happen, but you know, that's that's what we we just don't know. But at the same time, I think that there does seem to be at the top of the league enough feeling that they want to keep everything going like it was because they were going so strongly that they can get back to that. You know, In all three of- months when they're out of gold peak T, let's see what your attitude is. <laughs> well, it's, on, point, hey, heck, it's on sale 199 at Wegmans. <laughs> all bets are off at that point. All right. <laughs> Thanks guys. Back to the, back to chasing down the rumors. Keep keeping on hockey buzz today. I'll be updating everything. Got, it's just uh, very little sleep right now. We're in that. We're already in that mode. Remember, without the buzz, it is just. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.